welcome to the Orient Outlet podcast, sponsored by HF Plaster, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 238. Thanks, as always, to everyone who's tuned in to last week's show. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do that, and despite us not really having much positivity about uh, to talk about, um, it, it, we really are grateful that uh, you have sat there and listened to what was sort of nearly eighty minutes of of us jabbering on. Um, this week, though, we've got two draws to review, neither of which really excited us as we watched them. Uh, we'll also bring you up to speed with any news that you may have missed from the week that was. We've got loads of fan reactions as well. We've tried to filter out those that are in duplicate so that we bring you a concise roundup of what people have been saying from the Orient family. So I think without further ado, let's crack on. That was a lovely introduction, Mr. Levy. Thank Very you. well done. I always enjoy your introduction. Oh, so let's thanks. crack on it, like you said. AJF Plastering are our proud proud sponsors they're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company and they cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work specializing in silicone color render systems and please you must know this by now the best part of their deal is they offer a lovely 15 percent off to all latent orient fans and staff so if you're interested in anything with to do with plastering and rendering you can get in contact with the team by email at ajfplastering.outlook.com or you can go and visit the website at www.agfplastering.co.uk and they are also on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook at AGF Plastering or they are also on Twitter at Big Ads L-O-F-C. So thank you to Adam and the team for all your support and your lovely sponsorship and like I said, 15% off for all Orient fans and staff. Absolutely, well done there. So couple, uh, three pieces of AOB for you this week. Those of you who had a keen eye on our social media uh, account earlier this week, our Twitter in particular, would have seen us um, mention uh, FanHub, which is a new fan engagement app that we're now a part of, um, and our podcasts are also available on there. Um, there are a select or limited amount of access codes being given out for this app. It is, it is good fun, it is really well designed, and we really like being a part of it. Uh, lots of lots of interesting stuff going on. You can predict the team that's going to be lining up uh, the following Saturday, winning points, which will eventually, I think they're looking at partnerships with corporate companies for prizes, etc. Um, so what we would urge you to do, uh, we are, as soon as we can get them, we'll put uh, codes out. I think it was 10 at the last week that went out. Ten, uh, sorry, the same code, for, but, but 10 people can access the app. Getting early access, they're steadily releasing it and opening it up to more people. So uh, make sure that you don't miss out. Um, they were snapped up within a matter of minutes. So uh, welcome to uh, the Orient family on FanHub if you are on it. Um, but as I say, keep your eyes peeled because we don't know when we're going to get these codes. But as soon as we do, we'll put them out there for you to snap up a place and get in on this app. Yeah, lovely. Well said. A great app, and you know, welcome to all fans who who took the code. So it seems like most weeks now we have a piece of sad news in AOB. Unfortunately, this week is no different as we were saddened here of the passing of Frank K, another member of the Orient family. So we send our condolences and best wishes to Jonathan K, his son, uh, Big O's fan, Big O's family, and the rest of the K family. So rest in peace, Frank. 
Absolutely. However, some positive news to end on. Very happy birthday to regular tweeter to this very podcast uh, and friend of the show, Paul Morant, who's at PM3170, whose birthday it was on Friday. Paul, the last one in lockdown, mate, so um, hopefully next year there might be a beer uh, to be shared as well, as I think it'll be a Saturday, so it'll probably be an Orient Day. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to to next year. So that's that wraps up AOB this week, so let's move on then to the week that was. Let's do it in. So Coulson, Monday, the 8th of March, and a happy, heavenly 65th birthday to, well, the greatest, though, or at least one of the greatest, those of all time, Laurie Cunningham. Amen to that. The EFL announced the start date and other key dates for the 21-22 season. This will kick off on the weekend of the 7th of August, so a couple of dates for your diaries coming up here, just in case you've missed it. The next season will start on the 7th of August. Um, The season will end on the weekend of the 7th and 8th of March in May 2022. And if if we're not already promoted, the the League 2 playoff final is going to be on Saturday the 28th of May. Saturday the 28th of May is a League 2 playoff final. But if we're already promoted, we would have been promoted on or by the weekend of the 7th or 8th of May 2022. So get those dates in your diary now. Love it. Bank holiday weekend next May. The Orient Outlet Promotion Party 20. <laughs> That's 20 just before the Queen's... The, the, there's a bank holiday the following week. It's like a four-day weekend. Thursday the Friday and the Saturday and the Sunday. Obviously being the weekend the following week. So... Potentially a bit of a short week for everybody there if we get the play win the playoff finals. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. Fingers crossed. Getting well ahead of myself. So, getting well ahead. The 9th of March. And the main event of the day is we welcome Stevenage to Brisbane Road. So at 6 o'clock, the team was announced with Lawrence Vigor in goal. Back for Sam Ling, Jamie Turley, Dan Happy, and James Brophy. Midfielder Craig Clay, Usise. Nick Freeman and an up top Dan Kemp, Connor Wilkinson, and Tristan Abraham. Substitutes for this one were Sam Sargent, Joe Widowson, Tunji Akinola, um, Sweeney, whose first name I've forgotten. Jaden Sweeney, of course, it is Hector Kipriano, James Dayton, and Danny Johnson. That starting 11 saw Joby make three changes from the previous Saturday's defeat to Exeter as outgo Joe Widowson, Dan Johnson, and Tunji Akinola. And in come Tristan Abraham, Sam Ling and Connor Wilkinson. And if those changes for me are just like for like and there's not actually a formation change or a tactical change, I'm not sure the end result is going to be much different to what we had with the three players that have just gone out. But if, as it's been suggested, there is a slight change, maybe to a 4-2-3-1, then it, it, it could be interesting. Made some big calls in that one. I mean, big call to drop DJ in place of Tristan Abrahams. I don't think we will would have wanted that if I'm honest I mean you still look at that squad and you still well I still think um, that that squad calls out for a 4-4-2 but Ross has said it Martin has said it Joby said it don't feel like they have the players to do a 4-4-2 but for me yeah I was a bit disappointed when I saw that one seemed very harsh on Tunji Akinola one bad game at right back and he was out out of the team and placed as Sam Ling as you can imagine loads of views come in when this team was announced. Something that me and Paul both noticed is that when the team's announced, we're getting loads of tweets into us or in Outlook, and we love 
having them. So Paul Ravens 39 was the first to tweet us when that team was announced. I give up. I'm assuming Brophy has moved back to left back, with the exception of Abraham's in for Johnson. It's exactly the same setup and lineup that Ross Embleton went with, and that obviously went really well. Just absurd. Steve LOFC said, harsh on Johnson, he's hardly had the service to warrant a performance of being dropped. But that being said, Abrahams deserves a chance to play down the middle and to see what he can do. Oh well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if Tristan deserves his chance, put him in a 4-4-2 up top with Johnson, no, but you can put Connor on the right, but, you know, can't play it apparently, so it's, yeah, that's what we said. E4 Wizzo said, struggling to see anything positive about this team. Brophy at the back. Harsh on Widowson and Akinola. Cissé must have something on someone high up in this club. Can't see any other reason he gets in the starting eleven every game. Shouldn't even be in the squad. He's been poor all season. And like Paul said, we kind of filter out duplicate tweets, but a lot of tweets about Cissé being selected and you know not warranting his place in that starting eleven. I was just going to say before... Um... I think a lot of the issue is around getting supply to people like Dan Johnson. As, as, as we said, it's not, you know, playing in a four four two. but if you've got, still got no one supplying him, then it, it's, all, it, it's all a bit irrelevant, isn't it? Um, Joe, James Brophy was supplying Dan Johnson when he was banging the goals in for fun, and, and now that all seems to have changed. But yeah, absolutely. Um, says another one. I don't understand why Hector isn't being given... An opportunity if it's quite quick if if Joby's quite quick to remove Tunji after one game after one poor game in which actually everybody wasn't exactly setting the world on fire uh, why 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 is Usise has he got a clause in his contract where he can't be dropped or something ridiculous like that I mean it's, uh, it can't just be all of us fans that can see how poor Us is or the fact that he's not bringing to the team what he needs to be bringing to the team at the moment whether that's a crisis of confidence. Whether that's just because, as some people have alluded to, he's played for a contract um, and he's got a contract, and now you know he's sitting back and enjoying that two-year contract that he's got, or 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 what? Is he has he been playing with a slight injury that he's not declared, or something like that? I, I just don't know. But it's very frustrating that you can how you can just drop one player for having one bad game, but another player who gets several bad games or doesn't have an impact in several games. Keeps his place. Don't understand it. Tommy Atkinson 6 said, I don't understand. We changed some personnel and we've gone straight back to what formation and staff virtually to a man that Ross lost his job with. I'm going to get behind my team, but I'm really unsure what will have changed from two weeks ago. Let's see what happens. That's another really great point. I think I said that as well in, in the last podcast about not changing it and, and going with what got a guy sacked. It doesn't make sense yeah. to me. No, you're right. And again, Joby's first game, it was Brophy up for the field. It was very direct. And in the space of a week, he's kind of changed his football philosophy from going to very direct and to now going to a slow, patient build-up and from going to Brophy further up top to Brophy left-back. So it all seemed like a bit of a, a, bit of a muddle uh, in the space of a week. Trousers Techno said, I'm hoping for some tactical now, some motivational skills from Joby to see whether he fits the bill of managing. I'm not sure it's the team I would have chosen, but interested to see if he can introduce some change and improvements to what's gone before. I mean, that's, you know, motivational and tactical now. So it's obviously a very important thing about being a manager. And obviously, Joby has been a captain at a high level, but there's a, there's a big difference between being a captain and being able to shout on the pitch and direct your teammates to being a manager. They're two very, very, very different roles. Like, huge difference in roles. 
So because he's been a good captain, which no one disputes, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come in and be a good manager. Yeah, absolutely. And great, great players don't always make good managers either. So, you know, it's, it's one of those. But he's learning, he's cutting his teeth. So, um, you know, let's see, let's see what happens. It's just a bit frustrating again. I feel we're going into that, that vicious cycle of frustration where we're seeing the same thing happen over and over again, expecting a different result and not, and not getting it, um, to be honest. Kid Sampson O said, Ling isn't great, Brophy is better further forward. However, they're our two best fullbacks. Unfortunate, but true. Can see why Joby has picked them. What I can't understand is how a non-league clogger like Turley gets a start ahead of Akinola at centre-back. I think that's a bit harsh on Jamie Turley. I like Jamie Turley. He's got good pace about him. I think he does read the game fairly well. And I, for one, am quite happy with that. I think it's Dan Happy that perhaps might be the slightly weak link at the back at the moment. He doesn't seem to be as solid as what we've seen from him in the past. Not to dig him out personally. I don't think, I don't think many of them are performing to the, to the absolute best of their ability. Uh, but I don't think Jamie Turley is one of those that you can sort of put in that class, to be honest. Yeah, good point. I mean, at the moment, between Happy and Turley, I know who I'd rather play based on current form yeah. at the moment. So let's go through the Stevenage match. And so before kick-off, there was a minute's applause for Glenn Roder as the O's were looking to get their season back on track against an informed Stevenage team who, you know, earlier in the season looked like they were dead and buried, but they were the informed team and now only one place below us in the table. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Really incredible. So... Um, Lawrence Vigaru was called into action with just 44 seconds on the clock. A clearance from a Ben Coker cross fell to the feet of Tom Pett, whose deflected effort fell kindly for Lawrence Vigaru. The O's then went straight up the other end looking to create a chance, but Nick Freeman's cross was very easily blocked. Yeah, so a bit of a, a you know attacking start from both teams. Both teams trying to really put their stamp on it. In the fifth minute, Stevenage went close as Eddie Osborne whipped the ball towards the back post, found Luke Norris. He headed into the ground before Lawrence Vigaru got the ball to keep it out of the top corner. And 18 minutes on the clock now, the dangerous Elliot List took aim from a good 25 yards, forced Vigaru into a dive-in save. Good save there. The ball was kind of swerving and picking up pace, so Vigaru done well. A bit acrobatic, maybe one slightly... One for the cameras. But decent save, <laughs> nonetheless. So 28th minute the next, Stevenage lonely Dan Kemp attempted to slide in Tristan Abrahams from the edge of the box, played a clever pass, but Jamie Coming was off his line soon as a flash as he smothered the ball. Yeah, Stevenage went close again in the 33rd minute. Tom Pett's corner found the head of the unmarked Luke Norris, whose close-range header was well saved by Lawrence Vigaru. Yeah, I mean, good save by Vigaru. Ball straight out. Marking's absolutely shocking. There's basically no one is near Norris. Like, Norris is all by himself, bang on in the middle of the goal. So lucky to get away with that one. In the 40th minute, Connor Wilkinson almost broke the deadlock. He had a powerful effort from distance, went just wide. And there were no further talking points in the half as the referee brought the half to a close, <laughs> slightly disappointing half. I mean, the only goal-bound effort we talked about for the O's really was Connor Wilkinson's 40th effort um, in the 40th minute. And that wasn't even on target. That was wide. So apart from that, there were no efforts on target in the first 45 minutes. And Vigaru has had to make two really good saves. Yeah, to keep us in the game. Mike Oakley underscore one tweeted us in at half-time. He said, I don't want to be the happy clapper, but we've asked for something different and we've got it. If we're going to play Kemp in the hole, looking for the forward passes, we're going to need DJ on, Sharpish and Brophy 
pushing further forward. I think he relates to the fact that we're playing a 4-2-3-1 with Dan Kemp in the middle of the forward three to provide that sort of 10 role, if you like. So, yeah, interesting comment. Yeah, Lewis Fear underscore. So the thing which is annoying me about this side is that there isn't enough courage in the midfield to make him run forward like Joby did when he was on the pitch. Clay, Freeman and Cissé just offer the sideways option. At least Kemp is trying to get them on the turn and run forward. So again, lots of plaudits there for young Kemp trying to create something, obviously playing in that number 10 role. He was the one who was down to be more creative. So there were no changes for the O's at half-time, just three minutes into the half. Luther James Wilding's cross found Luke Norris, who flicked the ball up into his knee before attempting an audacious overhead volley, but Big Room saved that one rather comfortably. Yeah, Norris did well there. That would have been a spectacular goal if he'd have, if he'd have managed to have scored that. Jamie Turley went into the referee's book in the 53rd minute for a foul on List, and from the resulting free kick, Coker hit the woodwork, which came back off List and safely into Lawrence Vigarou's arms. I think that was a very fortunate deflection into Lawrence Vigarou, and, and my God, that was a yeah, that was a sort of heart in your mouth moment uh, for us there. Yeah, as well. As soon as he left his boot, you thought, oh. yeah, but luckily hit the bar, and then, like you said, came back into Vigarou. 57th minute, and Connor Wilkinson went on a great run from his own penalty box, beat two men, but Scotty C tackled him at the byline and earned his side a goal kick. Love Scotty C. Good one from Connor. Sometimes Connor's final decision-making lets him down because it was a great run. I think there were opportunities to kind of pass or switch the ball earlier, but eventually Scotty C took him down. I'll never forget bumping into Scotty C at the FA Trophy final in the toilet in McDonald's at Wembley. I just shouting Scotty C when he was in the cubicle and legging it out of there like a little kid. Loved it. (laughs) He's uh, he had a good game actually. Still got he still reads well. He's still quick and he's still yeah he's dogged and determined to to not let you get past him. There's still a good good characteristics about him there. Even though we had him what seven seven years ago, so he's obviously much older now. But still does a job at League Two level, doesn't he? Is that I'll always respect Scotty C. When we were doing the auctions of the shirts, he got in contact with us and gave up the shirt. Out of the blue, agree. Yeah, us. I think we got some. De- I think we got two hundred and fifty quid for that one. So you know, a top top man for that Scotty. So you Absolutely. know, that will never be forgotten. Or an out of the podcast hours. Seventy three minutes on the clock now. Joby McInerney finally made a sub. This game was crying out for a sub all day long, but it took Joby to the seventy third minute. James Dayton came on and replaced Nick Freeman. So a like for like, if you like. <laughs> yeah, and I think we'll talk about subs. I think in in our views, seventy seventh minute, and the O's almost took the lead but Dan Kemp so unlucky as after some neat control from the James Brophy pass he had an effort took a deflection had come and beaten all day long but the ball smacked the post and went to safety I mean that was a similar chance when I get to Port Bell where Brophy plays into him he takes a really good first touch on the spin and suddenly opens up his body and he's in with a shooting chance and very unlucky there I mean that probably would have been undeserved but would have been great to see that ball go in but when when your luck's out and you're in mid-table trying to win games, those hit the post as opposed to going in when you're up there at the top of the table. So, yeah, unlucky there, Dan Kemp. Yeah, very unlucky. It was the second O's substitution in the 78th minute as Danny Johnson replaced Tristan Abrahams. Yeah, 79th minute, Tom Pett forced Lawrence Vigor into a smart save at his near post as Pett basically just strolled past the O's defence on the left-hand side, got shot away, but Vigoury was at his near post. Yeah, three minutes later, a big, big chance. As a poor back pass saw Danny Johnson through on goal. One-on-one with the keeper. 
with a slightly tight angle as the keeper did well to sort of come out and close it down. He tried to be clever and chip the keeper but end up skewing his effort well wide. I think he should have, really, you know, I think arguably, and he knows this, he don't have to watch this back on any, uh, on any Monday morning to know that uh, he should have done so much better there. And in a game where clearly one goal was going to be enough to take all three points... Um, and a game where we've barely had any chances. This was the chance of all chances to win the game, be a hero, get your confidence levels back up again. And with, what, less than 10 minutes of the game to go, that would have been probably good enough. It would have killed Stevenage's um, momentum and whatnot. It, but it's just it's so poor. When you look at it from the club's closer look angle, you can just see how much he skewed that. Terrible. I mean, if that's in, if that's in August, September, November... October or December, that's a goal all day long. Yeah. But at the moment, at the moment, unfortunately, Danny Johnson is looking like the Danny Johnson who played when he first came to Leighton Orient, as opposed to the Danny Johnson who was on absolute fire um, at the start of the season. So whether Danny Johnson isn't 100% fit and has been rushed back and still feeling the effects of his injury, who knows? But yeah, for me, the Danny Johnson of the earliest season would have buried that and that was a long way from goal. wasn't even close. It must have gone for a throw-in if I remember that rightly. So that chance went in the 87th minute. Vigoru again had to make a save from a shot from Stevens as he tipped Stevens' bar effort over the bar. I mean, that that was picking up pace again and Vigoru done very well to sit that over the bar. Yeah, four minutes of time were added on and in, um, and in the second minute, James Dayton was brought down. He mouthed off to the ref, which earned him a yellow card. Dan Kemp took the resulting free kick, which came to nothing. For me, firstly, Dayton was stupid. He didn't need to mouth off at the ref. He'd already got the free kick. And secondly, we looked so desperate there. No composure at all. Yeah, so the rest of the game was played out. No talking points as the game finished goalless with the O's not having a single shot on target and Stevenage picking up their hard earned points. So Joby McEnough was interviewed after the game. You can watch the entire interview on YouTube. We're going to read a quote from him and he said first and foremost we've got ourselves back on track first half in particular I thought we looked bright and we've got people into positions that we've worked on in the short space of time that we've been able to work on getting Kempe in behind the lines Connor as well obviously we didn't quite have that end product which is a frustrating part of the game for us yeah league table then that draw makes no change in our league position we stay 14th having played 33 games with one twelve drawn 7 lost 13 with a minus 1 goal difference and 43 points. So my views on the Stevenage game, I guess if you're not going to win the game, just make sure you don't lose it either. Um, we really only had two clear-cut chances. They were in the second half. Kemp's, which went against the post, and Danny Johnson's one-on-one with the keeper. Five shots. We had zero on target. Tells you, I think, a lot more than what you probably need to know. Um, poor game, generally. Won't live long in the memory, and if it does, it'll be for the wrong reasons. Again, we're just watching the same formation and setup. Uh, and displays that that Ross saw Ross lose his job and put aside our relationship with Ross. The board made a change to get fresh leadership of the squad to push for the playoffs, and we're really not seeing that. If anything, I think we're starting to see a slight sort of step backwards. Really, I do admire for jo- Joby for trying different different things, different players um, to give them a chance to impress. I don't think anyone's really taken that that opportunity particularly well. Our lack of clear-cut chances is a huge concern to me, and thankfully, Lawrence Vigarou's blip was limited to just the one game, uh, as he was superb tonight. Without him, I think it would have been a far more difficult game to watch, um, and I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about 
uh, a draw, I think we'd be talking about a bit of a tonkin again, uh, unfortunately. Have to do better on Saturday against Gunthorpe is how I ended my views on, on Stevenage. Mr Nussbaum, your views? Just thought it followed the pattern of, you know, most other home games that we've spoken about over the last three months. I mean, it was Joby's first home game, so you'd always expect a big response from that, especially after getting trounced 4-0 the previous Saturday at Exeter. But it didn't come. Again, you're just, you're just waiting. Like you, you tune in to the stream and you're like, right, this is going to be the game where they're going to prove us wrong. They're going to be flying. Joby's given a great post like, pre-match interview, so we're ready to go. And they just get out there and they just look knackered and like half-arsed about it. And you're like, come on, boys. And obviously, right, it's flat in that stadium because there's no fans and we get there. But at the same time, they're professional footballers. that They're wearing the late orange shirt. So I'd like to see a bit of effort, but it's just a bit meh. But for me, like, I think we covered it earlier on. You know, Joby in his first game goes direct, pushes Brophy up top. Very different from Ross. And Nigel, on the podcast two weeks ago, told us Joby was the man to lead us forward. He'd never seen an interview like it. Great, you know, football in mind. Great player. He was the man to take us forward. But a week after his first game, he's literally doing the Ross Embleton style of football. And, okay, not 4-3-3, but 4-2-3-1. Very similar to a Ross formation. It was just a bit like, come on. Like, it's just a bit meh. So I didn't understand that. I mean, like you said, Paul, no shots on target. And this is against Stevenage at home. This side who, give them their credit, have vastly improved. But we went there earlier in the season, turned them over 2-0, didn't even bat an eyelid. That was an easy game. And yet, in the space of, what, a month or two, you know, the tables have turned. We were lucky to get out of that at 0-0. DJ's confidence looks shot. So, you've got to have faith with him and hope that he comes back and and gets the goals again. Or, you know, is, is he fit? And do you have to rest him? Who knows? I thought Nick Freeman again was poor. I'm willing Nick Freeman to do well every week. There wasn't an Oath fan who was more excited than when we signed Nick Freeman than me. I thought he was the man to come and be creative. And like I said last week, you know, he gave the big interview. I'm creative. I like to get goals. I like to get assists. Again, didn't see that. Really, really frustrating. I thought Kemp done well, um, as well as he could have. But, mate, someone has got to work with Dan Kemp on his corners. He can put a decent free kick in the box. And we'll obviously talk about that when we come to... Um, Scunful, but someone seriously worked with Dan Kemp on his corners because barely any of them beat the first man. And when we got people that are happy, turly, big boys who can create you um, some chances, you need to be beating the first man with your corners. But, you know, Vigaru, like you said, got over his blip well, but I just thought it was a really, really disappointing performance. And I just need something to happen, whether that's the formation or a line-up change or Joby back on the pitch I just felt there's something on Tuesday that we were screaming out for and to not, to not make a sub until the 77th minute in a game like that doesn't give me the faith again that Joby at the moment has the tactical nous to take us forward and I was critical of Ross for the same reasons where you know we've sat there against Colchester 0-0 and you're thinking nothing's happening here you're making the same sub for subs and you're making them in the 80th minute that seemed like a very if Joby McLeod wasn't in that dugout, Ross Embleton could have been and you wouldn't have known the difference. Mm. Not that I want to slag Joby off because, you know, I'm, again, no one's willing Joby McLeod to do well as, as as much as what we are. We really want him to do well. 100%. But at the same time, come on, Joby's man. Come on. 
Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we, we all as Orient fans want the team to do well. I don't think there's any doubt or question in anybody's mind. All Orient fans don't want to see us in the situation we're in. We don't all want to have to be arguing about the same thing from a different perspective or... We, we just want to be doing well and be doing better than what we are doing with the quality of the squad that we've got. You know, you've seen Ross lose his job because the four quality replacement, the four quality transfers we made in January, the board thought that that was, uh, you know, a clear sign of intent to push on and to push towards the playoffs. And, you know, like like uh, Nigel said on the podcast, you know, we're, we're taking a risk and, we're, you know, we're going to try and go for it. Um, you know, he said that a few weeks ago on the podcast. So, you know, taking a risk... It, it's only 12 days and, and a week in football is a very long time and we've played three games in those 12 days. So it isn't isn't the easiest of starts, but he got a, well, what you'd have thought would have been a banker for a win, which is the Grimsby game, um, but not really been able to capitalise on that. Took an absolute tonking against Exeter. It's like a pub team that turned up in Orient shirts. Um, and, and, and here we are talking about a frustrating draw against the team who are doing okay. Yeah, you know, like like you say though, Steve. You know, we all want the club to be doing well. We all want the decisions to be made well, um, and and with the benefit of hindsight, you know, they are being made with the best of intentions. But um, it just doesn't seem that that the players are really doing um, their bit on the pitch either. So you know, there is an obviously the buck stops with Joby, like you've said, um, and I think some of the players also need to hold their hands up and take a bit of accountability as well. But you know, that's those are our views. We we had a huge amount of feedback after this match from from fellow Orient fans on on social media. So thanks to everybody who sent their views to our social media accounts. And again, we do try and read out as many as we possibly can. But just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them or endorse them. And David Reichard, 80, starts us off this week. He says, Stevenage are a poor side, but they are giving their all for their manager. These boys let Ross down and now Joby. They look like they are going through the motions. And I really feel for Danny Johnson. He was probably in shock when he got that chance. Probably right. Yeah, good point there. Good point there. Jag seat, 1979. So I know people would prefer him further forward, but actually another game we haven't conceded when Brophy plays at left back. But let's not overlook the fact we were beyond awful. El Coado said, I'm normally not one to, to melt down or anything, but my God, man, this is hard to watch. I'd say sort out a new manager soon. Let him have enough time with the players to decide who he thinks we should keep and just look to next season. Daniel underscore D44 said nothing has changed. The same failed formation, the same failed ponderous play, the same failed tactic of bringing on Dayton. Why can't we play with tempo? Why can't we play with two up front? And I'm not sure where we go from here. I mean, some some good questions there. Some, yeah. some very good questions there. Flaherty MGT said carbon copy of a Ross team. Brophy wrong position, formation and style of play boring, and Stevenage knew how we would set up. Too predictable, zero impact subs, and not clinical enough. Dull spectacle, and would we'll not be watching another game whilst the same team or formation is used. Aaron underscore more twenty five said a very boring game. If the board want the playoffs at the end of the season, every draw or loss has to be seen as points dropped, and we now find ourselves eleven points off seventh with 39 to play for. We also have to be playing our best 11 each game, which did not happen. Masters underscore James D said, not a single shot on target, zero. The persistence with the same system that failed under Ross is mystifying. It didn't work then, it doesn't work now. Confident look, confidence looks shot, too much sideways and backwards passing, nobody taking the initiative, big problems for Joby. 
rainy day said complete dross Jogi hasn't improved anything most of these players need to be shipped out a disgrace but for Viggs we would have lost Cissé Ling Freeman Abrahams what is the point the others weren't much better though can only pass the feet going back or sideways fed up Dan Alton 2590 said despicable but predictable slight tweak of shape but as far as the game itself is concerned nothing has changed if anything it's even more negative than when Ross was in charge, and that's saying something. Two horrendous sides. Vigaru saved us from another loss. Hashtag Ling out. Matty L.O.C. Evans said, Extremely worrying signs. Can't score. The formation is not working, and the players brought in to rocket us to the playoffs look like damp sparklers. Well, I'm not for being rash. I do think we need an experienced manager in Sharpish to give the squad the right act to finish the season strongly. Spartacus1957 said, well, I will take that point against the team that has had five clean sheets on the trot and only lost one in eight. If you feel different, who do you think we are? Real Madrid, crack on Jovi, ball to feet tonight. Good point there from Spartacus1957, to be fair. I mean, their team in form, not conceding many goals, we just couldn't break them down. So, mm. you know, obviously trying to offer the, the most balanced view that we can. It's a good tweet there. James D. Views. So we're witnessing the worst performances since the relegation year. There's something very wrong with the balance and attitude of this team. It has got one manager to sack and is looking like it's going to stop the next one getting the job too. Great tweet there from James. Dear Stu said, simply not good enough. Playoffs uh, were, 12, uh, were 12 points off and we can forget about that aspiration. Mid-table, mediocre, utter dross. Stevenage should have won tonight with their clear-cut chances that they had. What has gone so wrong from the first half of the season? That's a great question. What has gone so wrong from the first half of the season? Yeah, if only we could answer that. Steve, yeah. we'd all be millionaires. <laughs> Steve Chapman Forces sneaked the point there and we're lucky to get that. Something definitely has gone awry since Christmas. Whereas before, you couldn't afford the players' effort. There are a few now that are going through the motions. Strange, when there are a number of players out of a job. That's obviously yeah. alluding to players coming out of contract. But yeah, like, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were the team who never gives up. You know, we were getting last-minute equalisers, last-minute winners, team playing for the shirt, which is all we're wanting to see. And skip forward four or five months later, very different orientation, very different attitude in those players. Why? I can't remember who said it, but someone from uh, the board of the club has said that they started contract discussions with players around December, around Christmas time, I think. So it's just dawned on me. So maybe that's just a coincidence and I'm not rumour mongering here or anything like that. But maybe some have been told that they're not playing and actually a bit upset by that. I don't know. But then yeah, it's calling into question their professionalism, which I certainly wouldn't want to do. Tim Scales, 94, said, massive problem is that Joby's made his job harder by not playing himself as he's still our best midfielder was desperately trying to keep myself engaged tonight Stevenish will be kicking themselves for not going for it more don't get subbing off Abrahams when DJ comes off comes yeah on a, few, a lot of tweets saying you know that Joby's kind of yeah giving himself the bump deal by not picking mm. himself obviously he wants to be manager but when you do that he's not obviously in the team Rich P242 was not happy he said awful worse than under Ross how any manager could watch that and decide the way to change the game for the better is to bring on a player that's barely played in the league for us is beyond me. Kevin Cowan said, truly dreadful. Just what is the sense in persisting with only one striker and not getting enough bodies into the box to support him? By the way, if Nick Freeman is the answer, what is the question? Yeah, good point. Steve Forecast, I must have been watching a different game to lots of people. I found it in 
encouraging. We tried new things, and notably Kemp is a number 10. Wilkinson had more freedom. Both seemed to work. Certainly, we were playing further up the pitch. Can't change everything overnight, and I thought it was okay. Lomax underscore Chris said, Joby has been in the job nine days. He has probably had no more than four or five training sessions in that time. Are people expecting too much too soon? Surely anyone would need time to implement their vision. Great two tweets there. Great points that people are making. It's all well and good getting over overly excited about you know these these results. But at the end of the day, you know Joby hasn't had a lot of time with the players. But I think you've got a view on that. Yeah, well, it's, it it doesn't really follow from that. I think I come to it after Scunthorpe. But yeah, okay. I, I can't. I disagree with that to a certain extent. But the final word. On Stevenage goes to LRC eighteen eighty one. It says you have to feel for Joby. Hardly any time on the training ground since he came in. An average start, four points from nine, and the next three games will be crucial. We have to be more creative. The players need to improve that output. So thanks to everyone who tweeted us after the Stevenage game. Those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. So thanks to everyone for their tweets. Yeah, absolutely. So the Design Cadby Prediction League update then. Design Cadby specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design with all Leighton Orient fans getting a 15% discount. You can find James on social media. It's Design Cadby on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can also email James now at hello at jamescadby.com. Com and six people correctly guessed the score for the Stevenage game. Wilco 300, well done to you. Shrimpy underscore boy, nice shot Steve. Mr. J.G. Essex, James O'Hagan and Rob MCC 68. You correctly predicted the score. You get three points and we'll do a roundup at the top of the table at the end of the podcast. So that wraps up Stevenage. Sure does. So let's go on into Wednesday, the 10th of March. And Lawrence Vigaroo was named in the official Skybet League 2 Team of the Week for the round of midweek fixtures. That was obviously following his performance against Stevenage. So well done to Lawrence Vigaroo. Yeah, whilst this is good news, it obviously shows you how poor we must have been for our keeper to make this team when we didn't win. Um, you know, when we've come away with a draw and, and, and he's like one of your best players. I, I I always think that about a keeper. I know they need a keeper for these team of the weeks, but you know, how how offensive must the other team have been and creating chances for your goalkeeper to be the, the player of the week. Um it was also announced that the upcoming away game against Newport County this coming Saturday, the twentieth of March, that's gonna kick off at a slightly earlier time of one PM. Yeah, the big international fixture. So don't be called <laughs> out on that one. 1pm 1 next Saturday. So Thursday, the 11th of March, the club launched its new E10 events website dedicated to its unique event spaces and a first-class experience that promises attention to detail and value for money. So obviously the club giving this one a big push um, and another source of income. So, you know, Nigel on the board will be looking to get as much money into the club as possible for the new season. So it strikes me as, you know, another source of income. So... Fair play, good luck to him, let him crack on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And making a website and the thing about the space that we have, I think, is quite crucial. You know, we're right round the corner from the Olympic uh, Olympic venues. We're, what, 15 minutes from central London, probably less. I don't think we've ever really pushed this uh, particularly strongly in the past. But, you know, we have got some good spaces for people to use. We're not that far out of London. So, 
you know, Shoreditch, Hackney, all of that just round the corner from us. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, quiet day on Friday the 12th of March, nothing to report. So we're going to crack on to Saturday the 13th of March, the main event of the day was Scunthorpe United at home and before the game we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought we'd get on against uh, Scunthorpe. Uh, we had 297 uh, votes in 24 hours so thanks to everybody who cast their vote. 31% of you thought we'd draw, 32% thought we'd lose and the slightly ahead at 37% thought we'd win. So thanks to everyone who took the time to vote. Yeah, very, very close in the votes yeah. there. So the team was announced this one at midday. This was a one o'clock kickoff, and the team was Vigoru in goal with the back four of Ling, Turley, Happy, and Brophy. In the midfield, we had Clay, Cissé, Freeman, Kemp, and Wilkinson. Up top, we had Tristan Abrahams. On the bench were Sam Sargent, Joe Widdowson, James Dayton, Tunji Akinola, Jaden Serena, and Hector Kiprianu, and Danny Johnson. That side means an unchanged one from the one that faced Stevenage on Tuesday, while Scunthorpe made four changes to their side, who lost to Exeter. And as much as I like an unchanged side, I can't help but feel a real heavy bout of deja vu. I hope this comes off for Joby. I was, I was not, I was disappointed, but not surprised. Mm if that makes sense. We had no shots on target against Stevenage and it was the same starting lineup. So obviously they were going to be forced with being more creative or, or it was going to be the same. I was just looked at it and go, right, the defence kept a clean sheet largely in part to vigour. Okay, so I get that. But up front, how can you keep it the same? Where we didn't create anything really against against Stevenage, but you know that's what Joby and the coaching staff get paid for. So as you can imagine, Lots and lots of tweets coming into the On Outlook podcast Twitter account from one second past midday. Len Chin Chin said, if the formation remains the same, then the result could well be the same as against Stevenage. Nothing has changed. Too predictable. Orient Sphincter said, if Hector leaves in the summer and showcases his talent elsewhere, I'll be upset. Plus, Abraham's never touched the ball Tuesday. Strange he's in after DJ's practically had a long rest since last week. It's bold. Sink or swim, really. Yeah, so Hector's still on the bench. Cissé's still in the starting lineup. Oh, how to 19 says, How can you go a home game without a shot on target and have the audacity to name the same team? Wadsey said, I definitely have Kipriano in for Cissé to add a bit more attacking intent to the midfield. Don't understand why he doesn't get a chance. For me, Cissé's too much side and back passing. Let's hope I'm wrong and he plays a blinder, but I'd be surprised. Freddie LFC said, Akinola has been our best defender by a mile this season and stays out of the team. I just don't get what Joby's doing. Keeping Abrahams in the team after DJ was given a rest all seems bizarre. Hector should also be starting ahead of Cissé. Paul Red Rum said, What I don't understand is what are our managers scared of about playing 4-4-2? Just try something different. It might work and we could get, we could get on a run and nick a playoff place. I know it will need a miracle, but they happen. Sometimes. Cake and Carlo said he clearly has a plan and a way that he wants the team set up. Results, not everything now. The playoffs are off the table, but Joby has to rebuild his way. Alan Reeves too said, never bothered about personnel or formations, but I just want to see Orient try and win. If it's the same dull nonsense we've endured recently, especially after the interviews Joby has given, then serious questions of the whole management structure need asking. Yeah, decent enough question there. I mean, we, you know, in the post-match interviews, we always kind of hear the same, um, you know, Joby interviews 
as Ross did very, very well and comes across well in his interview. So that kind of leads to an expectation. And then when you don't see it on the pitch, it leaves you disappointed. So let's see how we got on in against Scunthorpe because the game kicked off on a cold and windy afternoon in E10. Both teams looking to get wins after their disappointing midweek performances. 10 minutes on the clock now. There was some good build-up play with some nice passing and moving that saw Sam Ling eventually put in a good first-time cross, but it's just a little bit too high and uh, Tristan Abrahams couldn't get to it. Yeah, it wasn't a bad start from Jones. We looked right in the first 10 minutes, but just shy of the 12th minute with their first attack of the game. Scunthorpe took the lead as Van Veen put in a dangerous ball into the box from our right-hand side. Dan Happy and Lawrence Vibre both hesitated and Ryan Loft was there to touch the ball in between the both of them. And it was 1-0 to the visitors after only 12 minutes gone. Yeah. Poor. I'll let you talk about that one first, mate. Yeah, well, I don't think there's much that we're going to disagree on on this. But both, <laughs> both Dan and Lawrence really at fault there. Um, either Lawrence calls for it and he comes out and is brave and he gets it, or Dan clears it. But Dan, judging by how inactive Dan was other than running towards goal, I'm assuming he's had a call from Lawrence Vigarou, who's maybe misjudged it. Um, it's a really poor goal for us to concede and, and 12 minutes in I just thought to myself here we go this is going to be one hell of a terrible match yeah I, you know since that playoff final I, I don't like playing Scunthorpe and I thought Ryan Loft wasn't going to play which um, made me quite happy Ryan Loft's been linked with quite a few big clubs um, right. and I always watch him on quest I think he's a hell of a striker at this level um, and he puts the ball in but for me ha- for me happy has got to do better there and we spoke about how kind of ruthless Joby's been with kind of dropping Akinola and Widowson and putting Brophy further back from what he was. But, you know, I, I think Happy's place has got to be under threat um, in the next coming week based on what we saw. So we went to goal down. We had a few corners. We had another one in the 17th minute. Dan Kemp took this one. Uh, he took the corner, bizarrely clipped the top of the bar um, and then went out of play. So I think the keeper had it covered, but it's always nice to hit the crossbar from the corner. <laughs> Five minutes later, after some patient build-up from Orient down the left, saw a low ball in from Kent, which was well gathered by Howard, as he dived low to his left to clear any threat and danger. Yeah, I mean, both teams weren't playing well, but you got the impression that there were still goals in the game to be had. So in the 27th minute, then we'll fast forward, and Lawrence Vigoru needed to be alert to deny Gideon, who struck powerfully towards the near post, and Vigoru done well to make the save there. And again, that was on the highlights, and I watched the highlights, and although we'll talk about the save, again, I don't want to single out Dan Happy, because I, I don't like singling out plays on the podcast, because I don't think it's fair, but watch Happy in the build-up to that. Happy's the first of the ball, should be, Loft runs towards him, and Happy backs off, Loft wins the ball and plays it to Gilly. Loft had to be in a Happy all day long yesterday, and early, to be fair, wasn't just Happy, but Loft absolutely petrified our centre-back pairing. Yeah, 34 minutes were played and the O's got their equalising goal as Dan Kemp played in a fantastic free kick into the danger zone and Cissé ghosted in to nod the ball into the back of the net to make it 1-1. Your views on that, Steve? Where on earth did Cissé come from? Cissé was probably having his worst game in an orange shirt in that match. And that is no word of a lie. I mean, he's been bad. He was pretty terrible up until that point mm. where the fact that all our twi- all the tweets coming into us or on out of the podcast were saying can someone literally get boost off the pitch so somewhat ironic that he popped up we took it well couldn't have missed great delivery from Dan Kemp there and you know give CSA's credit where he's due he got his head in the right place pull it away but up until that point he was having an absolute shocker 
Yeah, yeah, agree, agree with you there. It was a good goal from Ouse. It was a carbon copy of the move that he did against Grimsby, where Dan Happy, you know, ghosted in and and he got there first. But if Dan Happy had missed that, Ouse was the next player going in to uh, to get that vital touch. That's clearly a training ground routine that they've worked on, um, and it's good that um, it's good that it came off. Um, so yeah, we're back on level terms now, just over the half hour mark. And really, there really wasn't much else to talk about. I picked up something from the um, Scunthorpe Twitter feed um, as I missed it. Um, um, it doesn't really come to anything. Loft was dragged to the floor by Jamie Turley as he looked to knock the, uh, the aerial ball into his own path, but the referee didn't give anything. Um, a minute of time was added on, um, played out. Referee brought the half to a close, thank God. Um, not an exciting half of football. Certainly not one that will live long in the memory. Yeah, agree with you there. We look, we we looked alright going forward at points, but we also looked very very shaky at the back loft in particular, really giving our defence the jitters. We had a good tweet from Ryan Peanut at half time. Said Dan Happy has his head in the clouds, been bullied all game by loft, embarrassing. He's lost every header and so slow on the turn. But he's not the only one. Cisse was a joke, and Freeman just can't see what he does. There were no changes at half-time and just three minutes into the half, Loft chased down the Orient defence before Gilead nipped in and was hacked down by Dan Happy, who just got a warning from the referee. Yeah, in the 50th minute, Scunthorpe had a free kick in a position similar to where we scored from. Ball was delivered in and Bedu, who I think was our centre-back, stabbed his effort well wide. JB, uh, sorry, James Brophy went into the referee's book a minute later after Gilead latched onto a loose pass from Lawrence Vigaroo and was brought down by Brophy with clear sight to goal. We were playing, we started the first half very, I think I, think I wrote down silly because it was, we kept overplaying the ball. Vigaroo was like overheating his passes, we were miscontrolling him and suddenly we were turning over possession um, from the back and putting absolute pressure onto ourselves for no reason. It was a bonkers like first well it was a bonkers second half really, I, I thought, in terms of what we were doing in the start of football. We were trying to play. But fair play to Joby, we criticised him in the Stevenage game for not making a sub until the seventy seventh minute. Against Scunthorpe he made a much earlier in the fifty sixth minute he made two substitutions as Usi Sabre was replaced by Hector Kiprianu and Tristan Abrahams was replaced by Danny Johnson. So a bit more alert now. One, you know, the boys the subs have got thirty five minutes to kind of prove their point and been challenged now for a first team place. Yeah, absolutely. There was a controversial moment two minutes later as a ball into the Orient box saw Lawrence Vigaru and Sam Ling get in each other's way. The ball rolled loose towards the goal as Van Veen went down over Sam Ling's legs as he attempted to clear the ball, but the referee wasn't giving Scunthorpe that penalty that they absolutely were furious about. For me, all day long, all day long. I think Van Veen plays for it because you can see Sam Ling about to attempt to clear the ball, but how he hasn't given the penalty there is outrageous, but in a very positive way for Leighton Orient, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, for me, I think that there's a question mark. I'm not sure if it was or it wasn't, to be honest with you, but you've seen them given, and on the balance of play, you know, the referee is is being given something to think about, which invariably goes against the defensive side. It goes for the attacking side. But what is going on between Vigaru and Ling? In in the sort of replay, I, I heard Vigaru call, call it, but it was very, very late. And if he's not getting an early call, Sam's fairly right to go for it and to, to try and get rid of it. Um, but yeah, it just shows that, that the confidence 
is absolutely missing um, in our back five. It really is missing. Yeah, it is. Yes, I mean that Exeter, Exeter game. Although we kind of come through the other other side of it, I think there's still kind of side effects from it. And it'd be interesting, like you said in the highlights. I'd, I'd quite like to see the closer look video of that. I don't think it's out yet, or if it is, I haven't watched it. But it'd be interesting to see their goal from the closer look angle and that incident because you'd hear a shout if the shout's there you'll hear it um, on there and it might give you a bit of indication of what's kind of gone wrong and where it's gone wrong at points and if that if that highlight of the penalty isn't on the closer look then you know that was a penalty as well is what I'll say but you know very very lucky to get away there on the hour mark Van Veen turned his man on you in a box he was hauled down again nothing given their manager Neil Cox uh, ex-Villa player I didn't realise it was at Neil Cox but yeah, ex-Villa player Scunthorpe boss Neil Cox having a bit of a rant on the sidelines and fair play to him I, I, I kind of sympathise with him the ref had to go over say look mate calm down a little bit <laughs> Craig Clay went into the referee's book two minutes later for a foul on Gilead yeah so the next 15 minutes no real talking points I mean we weren't really creating nothing but neither was Scunthorpe you, you just knew that if, if there was going to be one goal in it the next goal would nick it so you're kind of winning the O's to go for it a bit more but we didn't really go for it and in the 77th minute I mean again we were our own worst enemies we lost possession in midfield the ball was eventually crossed into the box Loft got his head to it and Vigru had to make a dive and save and it was a good save but that just typified the performance for me in the second half poor decision making from the initial ball out from the back from um Vigaru, position making again, I think as Happy gave the ball away from a poor pass. And then Paul Markin, as we didn't track the runner who won the ball, I think it was, I don't know who it was, it might have been Gilly, there's Brophy just kind of stumbles back, you know, jogging, so does Craig Clay who lost the ball. Um, and they almost made it 2-1. It was just an absolute shambles from, from start to finish there. And again, luckily we weren't punished. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, also pedestrian speed recovery from the defence. Nobody really seems to get remotely close to the ball, close down the angle. Um, Ling, unfortunately, lost out to Loft on that one. And and Scunthorpe, thank God they're just not very good. Otherwise, they would have punished us two or three times over by now. Um, And it's just not good enough. It's just not acceptable for for players that wear our club badge and our club shirts and are paid for that privilege and that honour and not doing better. When you lose the ball, you recover it quickly. You close the angles down. You make it difficult. It all goes back to what we've been saying before. Hard work, desire and um, determination to get things done, to get Make sure that your teammates are well supported to make sure that no one, no single player is put under more pressure than they can deal with. And, and we're not doing that. They're not playing for each other at the moment. So I don't know what the hell's going on, but that was just a real clear example for me of how they're not playing for each other at the moment. And I don't know why. Yeah, good points. Well, mate, 83rd minute, we got a free kick in a great position. So you're thinking, come on, now the blue, we real great chance to nick this. Connor Wilkinson stepped up. He's free kick took a deflection behind, well, took a deflection off Junior Brown and went wide for a corner. Yeah, nothing of note to report for the rest of this half and four minutes of time were added on and played out as the referee brought this game to a close with both sides sharing the points. So Joby Mackinoff spoke to Dave Victor after the game. Again, this is all on the club's YouTube channel. We're going to play two snippets of this, which we thought were quite a good synopsis. So we're going to play the first two minutes where Joby talks about the game. Um, and then we're going to play the, kind of the end of it uh, as Joby talks about how he's going to turn the situation around. So this is the start of Joby Mackinoff's interview with Dave Victor. 
Well, Joby, thanks for joining us. He kept to the same starting eleven. You got a very similar result with a back-to-back home draws now. Yeah, but today felt a bit different for me. I think coming off the back of Exeter, um, I think particularly first half, the other night we actually played the ball well and, and got in some positions without creating too many opportunities. Today we really missed the trick, in my opinion. Um, you know, first half we just didn't have enough. Um, conviction in our play um, I think we were a little bit too slow at times um, we definitely didn't put them under enough pressure um, you know I think the goal pretty much summed that up you know really passive in terms of our defending um, and then we got an uphill battle from there obviously get ourselves back in the game and I felt like we could go and kick on but it just never happened really so um, really really disappointed with today after the exit of the game, you were looking for sort of big points you were talking about from these home matches. Yeah, again, that's, you know, when you look at the way the fixtures have gone, you know, with those two away games, um, you know, it, it can be difficult at times, but coming here home where we have got a good record, we certainly looked at this as two opportunities to get some big points on the board. Clearly, that hasn't materialised, and, you know, for me, that's why, um, you know, certainly points dropped. Can you understand the supporters' frustration, possibly confusion, that uh, the sides seem to be quite conservative in their approach at the moment, very cautious? Yeah, because it's certainly not what we're being, uh, we're instructing the lads. Um, you know, clearly from our point of view, we, we know we need to move the ball faster. Um, it's things that we talk about, things that we're trying to work on. Um, we know we need to get more shots. We know we need to get more crosses. These are all things that clearly we're aware of and we're trying to get across, you know, and then obviously we go out there and it clearly doesn't materialise. So, um, you know, it's frustrating for everybody at the end of the day. At this moment in time, you know, it's up to me to come up with those answers um, and get us playing with a bit more of a tempo um, and, and making sure, particularly, you know, here in the last couple of games, um, you know, we're certainly testing teams more than we have done these last couple of days. So that was Joby at the start of that interview. We're going to fast forward um, towards the end of that interview now, where, as Steve said, um, how do you turn it around now and, and sort of where do we go from here? So uh, this is now Joby McEnough um, towards the end of a question uh, from Dave Victor. That's a demand, that's something I place on myself. I've got a group of players that for me are underperforming and underachieving and I have to look at ways of, of turning that around. And how do you start doing that process, uh, Joby? Well, it's work, it's hard work. It's looking at why we're not creating opportunities, why we're not getting shots on target. Um, and there are things that we have looked at, Dave, believe me. you know, There's not been many hours gone by that we haven't been watching training back and analysing opponents, analysing our own games. Um, so, listen, the, the, the work is going in. Um, sometimes, again, it is frustrating because you feel as though you're you're making a little bit of progress or things are starting to click, whether it be on the training ground, whether it be, you know, through conversations with players. And then we go out and, again, my biggest disappointment was, was the level of performance today that, um, again, you know, I'll never come out here and say we were better than we were or we played really well when we haven't. You know, I think it's important that the players have that honesty first and foremost, and I've been honest with them. Um, but also we're not trying to kid anyone else in terms of around here that... You know, that wasn't good enough. And that's certainly something that we're all front up and, and take on a chin. And finally... So thanks very much there to Dave Victor. Uh, and great questions, Dave. I think, you know, those are questions that we'd have asked if we were able to be there as well. How do you turn this around? How do you arrest 
this slump that we're in and, and get us playing more positive because he said in his first interviews about his first sort of interview about what he wants, what he likes, what he doesn't like and how he wants his teams to play and we're just not seeing that from him and I think as someone says in one of the tweets, you know, the, the, the players are letting Joby down badly here. Yeah, good point. Thank you to Dave for sending over the interview again. That's on YouTube, as is the Craig Clay post-match interview on Orient Live, which is well worth a watch. A very yeah. despondent and disappointed Craig Clay talk very openly and honest. So that, again, is on the club's YouTube channel. Well worth checking that out. So that draw, bizarrely, again, sees no change in our league position as we stay in 14th place. So now we've played 34, we've won 12, we've drawn 8, and we've lost 14. Goal difference of minus 1 and 44 points is that playoff places push further away with every match. So, Mr Levy, your views on the Scunthorpe game? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just to your point about the playoff place, you know, Morecambe occupied the last playoff place now with 56 points. So, you know, we're 12 points out of sight of that and they've got one goal, a positive one on the goal difference. So, yeah, we've got positive, uh, we've got minus one. So, not a massive goal difference mounting to climb but 12 points is just probably out of reach now but uh, views on 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 the game uh, against Scunthorpe it feels like Groundhog Day uh, and another draw that actually feels a bit like a, de- a defeat it's a bit depressing showing no signs of any progress whatsoever if anything I think we're going slightly backwards um, we had six shots at goal only one of them was on target and as Dave said in his interview, four goals in 12 games. I don't think he said it in the clip that we played. Um, but nonetheless, four goals in 12 games, you, you're not, that's relegation fodder, really. We should be beating the likes of Stevenage and, and Scunthorpe's of this league, in my opinion, uh, with the personnel and players that we've got. As I've just said, we're 12 points off the playoffs now. Really don't think with the final 12 games that we've got um, that we're going to make that. Um, it's just it's just too much now, and and sort of begs the question, you know, should 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 Ross Embleton still be the the head coach of Leighton Orient? Um, because we haven't we haven't moved forwards. In Joby's post match, he said all the right things, all the things he acknowledges, all the issues. So he's not hiding behind anything. He's not coming out with any clever media media training or anything like that. He's being perfectly honest and I have huge admiration and respect for him I don't envy you know having to come out and face the media when you haven't played very well um, I'm hoping that with a clear week on the training ground that something is going to change I'm not really sure why Tunji's been dropped having had one bad game and that the others who really didn't set the world on fire and, and continue to play poorly like Cissé for example why Hector's not being given an opportunity to play why not play Danny Johnson and Tristan Abrahams up front? Why not find a formation that works, a 4-1-3-2, if you want to keep that holding midfielder position with, with Hector, maybe, um, and having five attacking players? Um, even in Craig Clay's post-match interview on Orient Live that you mentioned earlier, Steve, the amount of size that he comes out with and the time... He, Time after time, he said, well, the issues that are in the team, where people are not turning up and we rolled over and we're not at the levels we should be and it's just not good enough and collectively we're shot of confidence and we're not doing the basics well enough. It's just not really enjoyable being an Orient fan at the moment and I think everybody can agree with that, but it's got to change and it's got to change for the better. Or like you said, people that... Uh, you know, are out of contract. You're not going to get one come the summer. Even ha- irrespective of how good they were in the first half of the season, they're not good enough now. Don't want them here next season. Good 
points. Well, mate, I mean, I think, let's be honest, it wasn't much better than, than Tuesday, was it? Or it wasn't much better than a Ross Embleton performance. Couldn't contain Loft up front. And if anyone was going to win that, um, based on chances, it was it was Scunthorpe. I thought Cissé probably had his worst game in an orange shirt, which is, again, ironic since he scored. But he, he was pretty bad, I think, a point. Second half at times was shambolic. But, you know, the amount of times we gave possession away uh, in dangerous areas and they didn't punish us. I think if, if we're playing in Exeter, there are Forest Green Rovers um, or one of the better teams in League Two. We get absolutely turned over. We're making all our own problems. I will say, I do feel the players are missing the effects of the fans not being there. I think if we're at Brisbane Road yesterday or on Tuesday, there's no way we don't go for it more because you just you'd have to crowd just you know just shouting attack, 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 or there'd be or the lights would come on on the phones. There'd be some kind of sign ads, you know, that the players have got to go for it. I mean, DJ looks lost, doesn't look like the same DJ. I think we covered that in Stevenage, so I won't go through that again. Dan Kemp's corners, like I said, someone needs to literally train him on corners or have a different corner taker. And this might seem radical and this might seem a bit odd, but are we a club in crisis at the moment? And I don't mean that as, you know, the club as a whole. I mean, the ball are great. We know we're not in any danger of going out of business, but I mean... On the pitch, we've got an interim manager. So we don't have a permanent manager in place. Obviously, Jovi wants that role and they're seeing how he does. But I think the time now, and I know he's only been in the interim role for a week and a half, but I do feel the board have to give it to him now and stop messing about or say to him, look, you've had four games. We haven't really seen any change, so we're going to move on now. I think the interim role isn't helping anyone. They stick with him now and go, right, you've got it. And here's a year and a half contract and you've got until the end of next season. Or they say thanks to no thanks, Joe, because I don't think that's helping anyone. We've got a huge amount of players out of contract um, in the next few months. You know, I think it's only six players will be under contract. So you've got a huge rebuilding job um, at the club. You've still got no manager. So players might be on the fence now because they don't know who's going to be managing the club. You've got a director of football who is getting criticised left, right and centre from the fan base. But... You know, the board is saying they're happy with him, but he's not helping himself with some of the interviews he's giving on other podcasts about challenging fans to say stuff to his face, which I think, unfortunately, is going to come and bite him on the bum uh, when fans are, are back in the ground. So we're not in crisis from a from a do-exist mode, but I think on the pitch, we are in absolute crisis. Like Craig Clay said, watch that interview, and, you know, the players look lost, and we're getting told all the right things. Joby is very good at his post-match interviews and very good at hyping us up, but we're not seeing that um, on the pitch. And something that really struck with me there, and I can't believe it hasn't really been made more of them through the Orient fan base, he's made a comment there like about tempo, and he says it's not what we're instructing the lads to do about playing the slow tempo. And Ross Embleton has also said they were not following out instructions. So that's two managers now who have both said players aren't following what we're telling them. How on earth does that work at a professional football club? How on earth are players not following managerial instructions, but yet are playing in the same team week in, week out? I think that probably shows you how easy it is to get into this Orient team at the moment. So for me, disappointed yesterday. They've got a week to build on it. I think you asked me the question about, you know, Joby's had a lot of games in a very short amount of time, so not really changed things up. I think if you had a new manager from outside the club, they wouldn't look at your last games that Ross was in charge and go, well, he played 4-3-3. The players are used to that, so I'm going to play that for my first four games and I might do something different after. There's not a chance. If a new manager came in, 
they would play what they want to play regardless of what had been played previously so you know I'm disappointed so far on what I've seen from Joby and if he is the man and if that is what Nigel and the ball want to go with do it take away the interim role get behind him give it to him 100% and let's crack on and let's go for it because that will give Joby the confidence A to do what he's going to do because it's his team now and that will tell the players right you're playing for Joby now so you know you can stop half-arsing around because you might be playing for this manager next year or he might be it He's your manager, so if you want a contract, pull your finger out, chaps, and let's go. But at the moment, I'm a bit like you. I'm not enjoying it. We had Nigel on the podcast two weeks ago, who, as great as that was, maybe built on my expectation a bit much. Because I came away from that interview thinking, I've got a chance of making the playoffs. Coming away really positively, and I've not seen it on the pitch yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I, I feel like I'm ranting again and I feel like anyone who's listening to this might go, Steve's very anti-Joby and I'm not at all. Like I said, I really want Joby to succeed. But at the moment, it's not happening. But I do think the interim title could be holding him back and I think the board now, like we saw it with Ross, didn't we? Ross was interim for about four months, helped no one. Either give it to him now or don't give it to him now. You know Joby McEnough, right? Like They know him. They know his personality. They know his character. They know what he's about. It's not like they brought in some Billy from off the street, like Fletcher, and they don't know what the guy's going to do. They know Joby McEnough. So give it to him, and let's stop all this rubbish with who's coming in when he's the experienced manager. He's not experienced enough. He's playing the wrong tactics, blah, blah, blah. Give it to him and be done. Or go, no, right, Link, pull your finger out, get yourself a manager in. You're on your last chance. You're some of your appointments have been comical sort it out otherwise you're gone as well and give them all a boot up the bum my rant is over Mr. Wow. Lee I apologise wow no <laughs> don't apologise this is the exact place for you to get your rants out and plenty of other people sent their rants into us at or in Outlook on Twitter as well so you raise a lot of good questions are we a club in crisis at the moment not from a board perspective but a crisis of confidence, perhaps. So Eastside Orient tweeted in and said, one header and zero shots on target in two home games against a bog-standard opposition simply isn't good enough. One, Adam Conway said, Scunthorpe were unlucky. Better team second half. Should have had a penalty and a red card against them. No wonder manager was fuming. And Orient, pathetic again. Simply a red 72 said, Joby, or whoever is in charge, is on a hiding to nothing. So many players clearly not fighting for a contract. All want to be here. Yeah, good point there. Chef Kemp one said, frustrating, very frustrating. Again, we have some great build-up play, but just can't finish any of it. Defence, an absolute shambles today, but the Cissé goal was superb. John W999 said, season is now unofficially over. Total dearth of creativity. We just don't ever look like scoring in open play. Every game is boring and lacking in those chances. Joby's got... The, uh, got his week on the training field now to get the players to show something far better next Saturday. And next Saturday's opponents aren't exactly going to let us do that either, are they? <laughs> yeah, we'll come on to that. That's a very good point. That's going to be a very, very tough game. Orion, meet Pius. It's gone for, but a better side, especially in the second half. We are devoid of creativity, ideas and confidence. Just end the season now. It's been garbage. I like Joby, but there's clearly an Alaise at the club. I don't know what causes it. It's not just bad form, but the owners need to find out and sort it out. Not only is the season fizzling out with a whimper, but our best players will leave and the fans are bored to tears. Good tweet there. Orin underscore Ed said, different game, same rubbish, no creativity, constantly giving the ball away and terrible defending. Not to mention it was very boring. Shocking. 
they managed 18 and 81. So I'm not sure I can watch many more of these games. So many poor decisions made by some very mediocre players. And the two instances where the defender and the keeper doesn't communicate. Ah. Kieran Derry7 said, well, at least we scored but got away with quite a few chances. Still don't see how the board think we can still get the playoffs after seeing the performances and results we've been getting recently. SR Barber, 1986, is another bang average performance. Lucky to get away with a point against a team lower in the table at home. It's clear this squad is not going to get us anywhere. We need a total clear out in the summer and an experienced manager in ASAP. I mean, the squad, I mean, two weeks ago, we're sitting here going, the squad are good enough to get out. And in the space of two weeks, completely flipped with pretty much most views we are getting in saying, this squad ain't good enough for nothing. And again, to go back to Nigel's interview, which I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has heard when Nigel's speaking about Joby Joby thinks we've got a squad a top two top three squad I think is what top is three. what Joby said so it's interesting it'll be yeah. interesting whether Joby feels the same way now about a squad than what he felt two weeks ago it's a really good point isn't it how are we now two weeks and having played three games how are we now sitting here saying, I'm saying like don't want any of them for next season <laughs> if they can't be bothered yeah. How have we gone from yeah. saying, all right, we can reach the playoffs with these guys, they're really talented, to sitting here now 10 days, 12 days, maybe 14 days later, going, later, don't want yeah. any of them. They can all yeah. go, clear the decks, let's get some fresh blood in. Let's get some people that really want to play. You know, because there are going to be a lot of clubs out there who are going to have massive budget cuts, managers that are going to have to be bleeding through their youth team, their youth players, giving chances. Probably going to be a very different world uh, next season. Um, you know, given that a lot of lot of clubs are down on their income and revenue, and they've taken loans, as Nigel said, so their ability to perhaps sign in the in the summer is going to be restricted. So, you know, they're, they're, it's it's very difficult. But yeah, it's a real quandary as to how we're now sitting here saying. All these players are just not good enough at the moment. Janine Adelman said, we are our own worst enemy. Too many back passes, many misplays, put ourselves under pressure. I thought Hector looked good, though, playing in a more positive role, pressing forwards. Linda Perrett said, one, eight, six. And what was the point of changing manager? All that's achieved is losing our only creative player in Joby. Great tweet. Orient Boy yeah, said, good tweet. Yeah, yeah, good tweet. Orient Boy said, Dyer, inching towards safety from relegation. More chance of that than the playoffs. No new manager bounce, total clear-up needed and a new rebuild in the summer. Compared to other teams, we are unfit, slow, not creative and static off the ball. It is poor, poor, poor. It's a good point as well. There's not a lot of movement up front. Not a lot. Yeah, I mean, great, you know, some buzzwords there. Unfit, slow, yeah, non-creative. And yeah, like, no new manager bounce. Even though we beat Grimsby, I wouldn't say that was off the back of a, a no. new manager bounce. That was just off the back of Grimsby being absolutely rubbish and us being better than them, but marginally better yeah. on the night. We're just a little Gareth, bit less bad. Yeah, absolutely. Gareth JM, it's a dreadful, especially the second half when you hope would kick on. Shambles at the back, spooked by absolutely any kind of ball in. The board and the management need to be honest and say the playoffs are gone and start planning for next season yeah I mean I, I, I think that's a great point I think playoffs are gone now so come on either you go for Joby now boys or you, you, you say he's not the one and like, like I said Martin Ling disappointment needs to be right for Martin Ling because questions have already been raised about Martin Ling and I think what he's got a one in five rate Four. of successful managers at Orient yeah. there's not many directors football who are going to be given more than one in six chance of getting a manager or mm-hmm. Martin right? which I think is ultimately I think that's what Martin Ling will be judged on yeah. his appointment as managers whether, whether he does brings the youth team forward or you know brings the ladies team forward, I think Martin Ling ultimately will be judged on managerial appointments and 
he hasn't got many right. And I think this is a very big decision, not just for Martin and Ken. Sorry, Nigel and Ken, but I think Martin Link has got a very, very big decision to make here as well. Yeah, but also don't forget as well, whilst he puts a selection through to the board, you can only go on what you see in, in, in an interview. Um, it, it's a difficult one. I, I accept that. I mean, you wouldn't be holding, you wouldn't be asking a chairman to quit because he appointed the wrong person three or four times, would you? So, and Martin does much more than that, and uh, much more than appointing the the first team. But obviously, that is a crucial focus of his role. But I, you know, I don't dispute. Yes, the pressure will be on him to, to to produce somebody who can go through to the final stages of a interview process that eventually will be a successful manager. Uh, it is difficult, uh, no question or a doubt about that. Sir underscore Winstow said their goal was a disgrace. I'm a long-time fan of Dan Happy, but he was asleep there. Seems like we only wake up in the last 10 minutes of every game. Do we not want the playoffs? Yeah, good sweet. 1965, AC 1881. First half, not bad apart from the goal, but again, poor final pass and no shots. And the second half was poor. Scarfield pressed and we couldn't cope. Lucky not to concede a penalty and fortunate not to have a man sent off. Sloppy, generally. Two, uh, League 2 bet said Martin Ling has to go. He was essential at the start. He's not essential now. If the manager ain't on the transfer committee, who chooses the players? Travis and Teague have some blind faith, but fact is, the people Ling is choosing are no good. Racket blew up. So we look like a team afraid to take a chance in case the error leads to a goal conceded. Thus... We have slow build-up and don't do much creative. Thus, teams will come to us and know they can boss us around. Today was two poor teams, neither of which wanted to win. Not good enough. Yeah, PM31970, the birthday boy, said, This season can't end quick enough for me. Created nothing for ourselves, but also nearly shot ourselves in the foot with poor defending. Players look like they're going through the motions and none are saying, give me a contract, a new contract. That's absolutely spot. The, play, the players are almost doing a, a reverse CSA of playing even worse when they need a contract, where yeah. CSA played even better. Casey, <laughs> yeah, I'm calling doing, doing a CSA. Casey Adams, LOFC, said, near enough, every single fan is questioning why we are still playing the same tactics that got the last manager sacked. Why is the current manager still sticking to it? Pandemonium1881 said, another one that won't live long in the memory, more sour and slow football, little movement off the ball, lacklustre, almost all over the pitch, and the defending at times was like watching my under-13 girls, to be honest. The big question here, these players are meant to be playing for contracts, either here or elsewhere. Watching the O's can be poor, but when there is nothing there, it is a concerning problem. Yeah, LOFC Teresa said, for straight to watch, most of the players have lost their confidence. Not playing positive attacking football. Only Kemp, Brophy and Hector, when he gets the chance to play, look like they're trying to make things happen on the pitch. I will say with Hector, he plays a lot more... Fo- it's really noticeable when he's on the pitch, the way he plays the ball forwards. And that might sound ridiculous, but I, because we've seen so much of Cissé, who gets it and goes backwards, when you see Hector, there's a few times where Hector looked up, could have played an easy back pass, but decided to... Like play to Brophy in particular on the left, and, Bro- and that kind of gave Brophy the freedom. It was interesting, yeah. And again, if anyone else spotted that, you know, you can always give us a tweet or an outlook or an email. But I thought Hector was very good at subtly driving that thing forward when he came on yesterday. Yeah, yeah. 
BarryBU5544016. That's a catchy Twitter handle. It must be a real <laughs> bonus for a goalie to come to Orient with the away team. It must be like a day off. When was the last time we put an opposing goalie under pressure? <laughs> it must be like Yeah, unfortunately, we're laughing about a great point. Two home games, one yeah. shot on target. Yeah, and that's led to a goal. <laughs> Barry LV1 was critical of Walkinson, so can someone please teach Walkinson to cross with his right foot? Fed up with seeing him get to the byline and struggle to carry the ball inside. There were points where he's, he's almost trying to be messy, where literally, like, he can't tweet one player and pass it, and he has to beat another. And then he's cutting, kind of, like, it is a bit repetitive. I mean, he's a very skillful player, but, oh, good you know, I, that's a good point well made there, Barry. I'm, I'm on with you on that one. Only one team said, maybe it's too much for this squad. Losing Justin Edinburgh, Steve Davis episode, the Fletcher episode, Ross then departing. We look disillusioned as a club and a team. Lifeless, even going by Clay's interview. New direction, new leadership needed. Players need to be uplifted by someone. Yeah, good point. Dave M1812. So, but that display was probably a point gained. It's a long time since I've seen an Orient team give the ball away as much as that. Probably safe this season. But if we continue like this, we will not stay in the AFL next better teams will show us up. I am underscore MO said, if you take Brophy and Wilco out of this team, it's just an average team, unfortunately. Watching the games on the stream makes me realise why I need four pints from the supporters club before I go into the stadium. Real <laughs> hard watching and every game is a slog. And we'll say drink aware at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> and the final word, and this one goes to Orient underscore fan, who said, disappointing again. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Let's start the plan for next season. If the ball believe Joby is the man, give him a proper title now and let him build a squad for next season. And if not, find a new manager and get him in ASAP. So, do you agree or disagree with any of the views or tweets that we've read out? And there have been a lot and there could have been an awful lot more, but we're already at an hour 20 um, and we could have carried on with loads more views. But I think, broadly speaking, everyone is sharing sort of the same type of uh, angle here. Let us know what you think. You can tweet us at Orient Outlook. If you're not on social media, you can send us a good old email. Orient Outlook at Outlook.com is our email address. And thanks to everyone, everybody who has taken the time to tweet us and engage with the tweets that come into us. Yeah, nicely done. So we obviously run the Prediction League, so a lot of correct predictions yesterday. So well done to John Band 630 Six five four seven three. Gary Talbot seven. Shrimpy underscore boy. Second correct prediction of the week. Well done. Shave one one zero. East London XL. Mister JGS six again. Another correct prediction for one, him. Yeah. Nino underscore Barone at floodgates. George Nicholas underscore one at Spenno one one at boats in Winsbad. Who all predicted one. Also all got three points. No one got Cisco to score. So no one took maximum points. So that means that Dan Orton leads the prediction league on 29 points. He's followed uh, by David Landau 17 on 26 points and Wadsey on 23 points. Our prediction league table is up on our Facebook page and thanks to everyone for their predictions. Yeah, and thanks to James Cadby and the team for sponsoring the prediction league this season. Sunday the 14th of March, today as we record this, just wishing all the mums out there a very happy Mother's Day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, let's wrap this bad boy up. So fantasy football updates so as it stands. Elliot Pierce is top of our Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league. He's ahead of Dave Hayden in second place. I am fading like a flower. What's I am in on? 70th place out of 295 players. I've played my wild card. 
and they've all let me down. They've all done CSA on me. They've all let me down. <laughs> Played for a contract in your team and let you down. <laughs> so moving on then, we'll do the positives and negatives this week. Uh, we're going to start with the positives, obviously. Clean sheet against Stevenage. Um, always good for the defensive five to get a clean sheet. And obviously this week we've not lost in the two games but we've all you know that's a negative we've not won them either but the fact of the matter is we're not talking about two losses even though it might feel like we are yeah okay so I'll do the negatives so two positives four negatives this week the first one is not one shot on target against Stevenage and only one against Scunthorpe so pretty bad two teams at home below us only one shot on target second one Mm. only two points from two home games like we said against teams below us in the table so that playoff challenge pretty much dead in the water now the third one is suspensions, international duty and ineligible players for our next fixture means that James Brophy is now out for the next two games. So he picked up his 10th yellow card yesterday. Hector Kiprianu will be away on international duty while Tristan Abrahams is ineligible to play against Newport as they, uh, his parent club. And the last negative, and I think we've probably covered this in most of the tweets uh, and in most of the other negatives, is that we just aren't moving forward, which kind of stagnated since sacking Ross Embleton. Um, and it's got to that point now where it's getting frustrating, shall we say. Yeah, but by stagnating, we are going backwards because all the other clubs at the top end are moving forwards with their ambitious plans of staying in the playoffs or getting promotion. So, yeah, standing still does mean you're going backwards. So, moving on then, here of the week. The last two weeks of this podcast, we have not been able to um, give this accolade to anyone um, at the club but this week and it was a bit of a head scratcher but we have come up with a um, one might think a slightly controversial uh, or not a, not a first thought for a hero of the week accolade but this week it goes to Lawrence Figaro yeah. Yeah. sorry boy we didn't plan that um, <laughs> so but despite a couple of errors that he has made um the outstanding saves, and there have been numerous in the last couple of games that he has made, ensures that we're talking about draws and not losses. So he's earned us two points this week, pretty much, um, rather than us not getting anything at all. Um, so, yeah, well done to Lawrence. Even though he's had a bit of a wobble, he's still managed to pull out some amazing saves to keep us in games. Yeah, well played, Mr. Vigorou. So next week's fixtures in. So just the one fixture next week, and that's Newport County away, and that is at the Cardiff City Stadium on Saturday, 20th of March. This one kicks off at 1pm, like we said earlier in the podcast. So Newport having a great season. They're currently fourth in League Two. They beat Morecambe 3-1 away yesterday, and you may have seen the highlights of that one with Kevin <laughs> Ellison going and scoring a goal and laughing in Derek Adams' face. So Newport went through a blip uh, when we played then they started kind of fading a bit in the last two or three weeks they've had a bit of a resurgence so it's going to be a really tough game in the last five games they've won three drawn one and lost one that's going to be a very difficult game but you know lots of people saying Joe needs more time on the training ground this week gives him you know the prime time for that one game so hopefully now you know next Saturday we'll see a more attacking oriented team and a more Joby Mack enough shall we say kind of influence side and hopefully just go for it, boys. I don't want none of this slow, turgid, you know, snail-paced football. Again, like me and Paul said on the podcast for years, don't mind Orient losing because it happens and it will happen and it will always happen. It's just the manner in which you play yes. and which you fight for the Orient shirt. Just show us some life. And I want, you know, 11 men coming off covered in mud, coming off in sweat, 
drenched in it and who can be proud of their performances, which unfortunately I don't think we've seen now for quite a while from, from most of the team who play for us at the moment. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you there. So just a sponsorship reminder as we wrap this up now, don't forget that for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Yeah, so that is it. That is 238 in the bank. So thanks for joining us for the episode. It's been a frustrating and disappointing week for the O's. We hosted two winnable fixtures against teams below us and we came away with two points from six, but more concerningly, only one shot on target and two lacklustre performances. So Joby and the coaching staff now have a clear week on the training ground with the team to try and implement any new ideas and to solve the numerous issues that we have on the pitch to get us ready for our next opponent. So they don't come much tougher, like we said, than Newport County playing on a lovely championship pitch, which will suit their game right down to the ground. But we're ever the optimists, and hopefully next week we'll be happier, you'll be happier, we'll have lots of happier tweets, and we'll be talking about a better performance and a lovely three points for Joby McEnough and the Orient. We've been saying that for the last few weeks on this podcast. <laughs> we're just still waiting for that one to happen. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Please, can you just take just a moment just to give the podcast a rating, preferably five stars and a quick review. Uh, and also on whatever platform you get your podcast on, if you're able to review, we'd be grateful. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We're also on smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. And if you've got an older relative, a loved one or an Orient chum who you think will like the podcast or want to listen to us moaning about Orient every week, grab their phone or mobile device, download it for them and pass the pod. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be back with episode 239 next week. We are getting closer to that man of 250, and we'll have all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Into a-